Hello, welcome to the Doing CX Right podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Sherman, devoted to helping leaders like you intentionally increase brand loyalty and cultivate better relationships by doing customer experience right. Not talking or thinking about it, but really taking action and doing experience management the right way. This show is about guided steps to achieve better human and business outcomes, which has nothing to do with competing on price. This season of shows digs deep into new research and case studies reviewed with highly acclaimed authors and experts. Plus, you'll hear my insights as a practitioner working with various sectors and organizations. Besides business, you'll also hear personal stories and invaluable lessons to fuel your personal growth as we bring our whole self to work. Please share this podcast with others who can benefit and subscribe to my newsletter at doingcxright.com for updates and helpful resources to advance your business and career. Today, I'm discussing the essentials of excelling in customer experience and how to effectively secure buy-in from leadership. We're diving into questions like how can small-scale CX initiatives drive significant organizational change? And what are the best strategies for rallying teams across various departments to achieve CX goals? Joining me in this insightful conversation is Gregario, a renowned CX leader, and a dear friend. Our discussion focuses on strategies for uniting entire teams, from marketing to operations, around the common objective of enhancing customer experiences. We dive into effective methods to overcome the challenges and obstacles that often hinder progress in CX efforts. Whether you're just starting out or seeking to refine your existing strategies, I know you'll find inspiration and practical advice from this episode. Now, let's get started. Hello, Greg. Welcome to the Doing CX Right Show. Hi, Stacey. Thank you very much for this great opportunity. I am really thrilled to start this discussion with you. I am a big fan of your podcast. Oh, big heart to you. Thank you. And I absolutely consider you not only a CX knowledgeable guru, but also someone I really relate to for many years because we have both been in the trenches working and had these passion projects on the side. And so we share a lot in common. Yes, I fully agree with you. Corporate job is my first priority. But if we have a, a passion, something that we want to get out to other people, then we need to do that. Absolutely. And I tell my listeners all the time and anyone who will listen, have those side passions because you never know when you're going to need it and start before you're ready. But that's not what the show's about today. We're going to talk a lot about doing customer experience right and go deep on that uh, from a ROI perspective. Greg, give them a little background of who you are. What do you do for a living? Uh, yes, sure. I have two big passions. One is the human-centered transformation and the second one is soccer or football for the European colleagues listening to this uh, to this show. And I decided to put them together 
And therefore, I have an outstanding corporate job. I'm working in a hospital and therefore fully focused on human beings and on the transformation, putting humans, employees and patients on the center of everything what we are doing. And on the other side, as you said, driving my passion, linking uh, football, soccer together with customer experience, with my podcast, for example, CX Goalkeeper podcast, or uh, speaking at keynotes and using soccer as an example to share some best practices in customer experience or in human centricity. Fabulous. Love when you can bring your worlds together. It's fantastic. Absolutely. So what... Does doing CX right mean to you? It uh, means, and perhaps it sounds fluffy, but it's the reality. It's creating value. It's creating impact for human beings without thinking, I need to do that because of politics or I need to do that because I need to do a favor to somebody, but really focusing (laughs) on these important things. And if I think back about my career, when then I started working in a contact center, helping the transformation of the contact center, for me was incredible, was terrific seeing these people at the phone, trying to help other people on the other side in all possible manners, trying to find a way out to steer, uh, to steer the conversation, to stick to the, all the rules that they have because they have a lot of rules and trying to find solution. And then what's the outcome? The outcome is a human relationship, creating a human relationship that it's not based on logics, but it's based on empathy, on connections, on feeling and then creating that. It's, it's, it's outstanding. It's amazing. Sorry. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So I agree with you about the importance of doing CX right. Where I've worked and where you've worked, let me ask you, have leaders actually understood the value and invested in what it takes to be doing CX right? Difficult question. Uh, I think that the, 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 the real answer is not enough, I would say. Yes, we did a lot. We invested a lot, but not enough. And it's, uh, it was always about thinking, shall we do this? Shall we do that? And then the, the last question, the last decision point was financials. What brings the most we will implement and we will do? Or what the poli- from a political point of view, needs to be done, then uh, it's, it's, it's something that gets uh, implemented. And no, it's not possible. Yeah. By the way, as listeners are hearing your accent, where are you from? Oh, that's, I am the best of both, half Italian and half Swiss. And um, yes, I have an accent. I try to, to explain myself in the best way possible. And I try really to bring from both sides, from the Swiss, Swissness side, the quality, stick to the timing and uh, really trying to focus on things, but also trying to be a bit elegant, finding a way to explain things in another way, like these Italian styles and this Italian flavor. What's cool is that you have all those cultures and understanding and here I am in America and yet there's so much in common and that's the beauty of human beings and the field we're in. So let's talk focusing on people are listening. There's people hungry at management and lower management levels. They're hungry to actually get their companies to be on board and do the methodologies that we know work to understand the customer 
and build products and services and market messaging that meet real needs. Yet, those people struggle. How do I get my C-suite to invest in what I know works? Tell me about your view on that. What do you want listeners to think about or to what steps can they take to get buy-in? I think the most important thing, it's, it's really to start small. Creating small winnings, and then you can start building up your strategy, your roadmap. You need always to have in your mind the end point, what you want to achieve, but trying to build one step after the other and proving the result of what you are doing. And proving the result, it's not only about financials or not always about financials, but it's also about how we can improve the brand, how can get more people uh, to the company, buying our stuff and so on. And with these small improvements that you do uh, for, a, for, a, for a customer or for an employee, you can then start building your roadmap, achieving your result. But Stacy, at the end, we, we all agree, you need also to, pr- to prove the results. For me, the discussion, it's not about proving the ROI of customer experience. For me, the topic is proving the ROI that what we are doing in customer experience, bring results for the company, for the employees, and for the customer. It's linked to the business objectives that we want to achieve, that the company wants to achieve. And we are really driving all in the same direction. How? How does somebody, they're listening and they're hungry to prove where do they begin? How do they actually start small? What does that even mean? Uh, It means uh, really, for example, what I did, walk around in the contact center and find out why customers are calling. And not, don't please, don't try to automate all these processes, but try to find ways to help the people sitting there. Um, Are they sitting in a comfortable way? Do they have an environment where they can really work? How is structures their their daily work? Do do they have enough time to do what they need to do? And really being there, smelling there, being part of them brings you a lot of insight that you can start listing, listening, listing, and then creating all these changes, small changes like moving one button because then you are perhaps quicker or giving this additional information because the customer are always asking about this or about that. And therefore, this is one example with the call center. When then you move to the finance department, go there, try to understand what, what drives them, what is important for them. And these are financial, these are, these are numbers. And therefore, prepare the numbers, but don't prepare the numbers about NPS. Sorry, the CFO doesn't care at all about NPS. I'm sorry to say that, but the the reality is he wants to see and smell the money and therefore calculate based on their view what brings this small change. What we did, and it was really successful, is for every change, small or big, that we did, we didn't calculate the case. We asked finance to calculate the case for us, and it was then uh, somebody outside sitting on the budget calculating for us. And then you don't have all this discussion, but you um, calculated wrong, you did this and that wrong, you used the wrong uh, average, but they calculated that for you and bringing them on board early in the process, it always helps. Yeah, great examples, Greg. I also would add 
something that's worked for me and where and my team was we would take the customer feedback, different sets of questions. NPS was one of several. And we would ask the customer six months before the contract would end. And then we would study those results, the qualitative and quantitative, and look at the ones that were not happy at six months before contract and go use them and partner with the sales team to be able to uncover what would keep them. How could we turn this around? And showed that there was actually ROI from them not churning because we got the feedback. So, and same with the happy customers to be able to sustain that loyalty and activate them as promoters. So I wanted to also share a little bit about that with uh, with that ROI discussion. I think what you're saying, it's extremely interesting. What we did, it's extremely simple, but really impactful. We went through all the customer feedbacks and we classified them. And then we decided how to spread all these messages. And uh, there was one big issue that we had in our customer service department. And I was working for a credit card company and we printed out on paper, yes, it was before COVID, these feedbacks. And we um, put them everywhere in the company, in the lift, in the toilets, on the doors, and so on. And people were reading this feedback. And then at some point in time, are you asking yourself, yes, but the customer was saying this and that about us. Are we sure that we want them to speak like that about us? And it really helped us. And then we went, we started being strategic. Okay, the biggest uh, and the most important initiative at that time was creating the new app for our customer. Okay, which feedback do we need to use to bring our priorities, the customer, also on the priority list of the app. And that was really helpful because then you really lead, you can read what the customer are thinking about you. Yes. Well, that's absolutely culture building. And we know how important that is. You're bringing me back to, I was working at Verizon and in our lunch area, we had monitors, TV monitors, and we would see what the customers were saying, both on social media, but also on the website, there's a feedback form. And so we could see in real time, all different sources of customer feedback and, and people are having lunch and reading it and then talking about it over lunch. And it was so powerful to make sure that everybody was walking in the customer's shoes and having that dialogue. And so it reminds me of what your example is. It's it's so powerful and it's so easy to do, but people don't think about it. <laughs> exactly. I, I think it's really important. We are customer experience professional. We are in the transformation business. We need to start thinking as the others and being part of what they are doing. Also being together with the marketing department. What we share, what which objectives do we share together? And for us, what clearly uh, acquisition. Our marketing department was extremely focused on acquisition. And then we find out way to help them. We What we did after an, a call in the contact center, we did a uh, these tailored messages. We pushed uh, the messages for upgrades and it was quite successful. And then again, together with marketing, we went through all these upgrades and we said, okay, this is coming from the call center, from the call center, from the call center. How much revenues did we do together? Not we and you, but together. And then it was extremely helpful because then it was not the discussion anymore. Oh, how many FTs do you have in uh, in your um, contact center? But 
how we can build the contact center, how what we can do in the contact center that they have enough time to place our messages to boost acquisition or, for example, also to, to, to keep our customer retention, what you said earlier. Yes. And unfortunately, a lot of places I've worked where the call center and marketing, for example, are not aligned. And so marketing puts out a promotion and customers call and the call center rep is confused. I don't know where that discount is. I have no clue. I can't give that to you. I don't know what you're speaking about. So it's just the opposite is a reality in some places and it can't be. Stacy, sorry, I need to bring one uh, soccer example. I'm really sorry for that <laughs> to no. boring you with this example. No, but please breaking do. silos. As you said, mar- let's take the two examples, marketing and operation contact center. They have different targets. That's not possible. It's like a soccer team. Let's take the midfield players and the defenders. They are not playing together. We give to the midfield players um, the target to run as many kilometers or as many miles as possible during the 90 minutes of the match. They would start running around continuously without taking care of the opponent or taking care of the ball because they want to achieve their target. And doing that, it's not possible. They will. They would never win the match. And therefore, we need to give to all these departments the same target. We define that, for example, with the successful customer outcome, achieving that target, winning the match, scoring the goals. And then it's sure that every department has similar targets or has the same target with different tasks because everybody needs to do the, their jobs throughout the customer journey. Yes. But for people that don't understand the customer journey, where do they begin? And I know, like you know, that is an excellent way to break silos. Where should they start? How does that work where you've seen it's successful? And what I have seen, it's really, for me, it's important that somebody feel, feels responsible for customer experience. You have one customer experience manager or senior manager sitting somewhere with a clear support from the top management. Without the support of the top management, nothing will happen. But there it's having ambassadors in every department, uh, one in marketing, one in, in compliance, one in the legal team, uh, one in operations, and they work together. And you, you always find somebody really motivated or that is caring about customer, about employees and so on. And putting together these people with similar mindset, all uh, with the same target will really boost what a company can achieve also in customer experience. Mm. However, we also know that when you tell that to executives, they'll say, sounds nice, but I don't have the time for people to be out of their day job to do some journey mapping and to do these activities that you CX people suggest. What do you do about that? Um, Perhaps I hope that my boss is not listening to this podcast because (laughs) I do it. I try to motivate other people, trying to find half an hour, one hour, sitting together, putting people together. And sometimes people are busy and they need to do their daily job. But a lot of times, instead of sitting in meetings that takes hours and hours and hours, I say, let's come together, let's have a breakfast, let's have a lunch together, and we discuss about this topic. And then we start depicting, and then you can show the result. And sometimes you depict something on a wall, and then you can 
keep it there without canceling it. And then people walk through and see that, see this information, and then start asking questions. This happened to us. We started creating one, one small customer journey in the hospital. We were supported, but then uh, somebody went through and said, but what you are doing? And then we started explaining that. And they said, oh, but that's really interesting because I was never thinking that patients are doing this and that and waiting half an hour in the waiting room. I say, yes, and think about which waiting room, how they are sitting, in which in which conditions. And then it helps to steer the discussion and it, it helps. I think in every company, you have people that are enough motivated to start together, really small, depicting a small journey, doing small changes internal on the employee experience or on the customer experience. And then let's say in this, in the ways the train starts and then everybody wants to come on the train because you are successful. Yeah. So start small. It can be even just whiteboarding. You don't even have to have the fancy tools right now, but literally you map out how a customer or a patient would literally walk in the door or have an online experience first to schedule, whatever it is that your journey is, how are they going to become aware and learn and buy and use and get help and pay their bill? All of this is really mapping out with all your teams. And then the magic is validating it with the real customer and real patient, whatever you designed. But this isn't a journey mapping topic. This is really about how do you prove the value to your C-suite and to show the revenue, the return on investment by saving customers from leaving and retaining the ones you have. And there's a lot of data on that, which uh, we will dive into more at another time. As we get to the end, I want to find out from you a couple things. Leadership clearly is very, very important, whether you're in the hospital or a business setting or customer service. What do you want leaders to know? What's the best advice you've ever received or given? Oh, that's that's really a great question, and I was struggling to find one one thing to share. But I was thinking back, and what popped to my mind is the big topic between push and pull. You can, and we know what it means, Stacy, pushing people, <laughs> doing, understanding what we want to achieve, and still pushing to do this initiative and that initiative and this project because we need to show results and so on. And then changing the mindset and starting to pulling from the people. As we mentioned also during the discussion, and you shared also a lot of great examples, taking the people that are motivated, creating alliances and being together and pulling together, pull, pull, pull and get people together that you can achieve more. It's the difference between me against a lot of people and we together willing to achieve something together. We have a common vision, a common mission. And I think this is the key. Stop always only pushing, start trying to pull, identify the right people, create alliances because the more people are together, the better it is and the easier it is. Yes. And obviously employee experience and employee empowerment help drive them to want to be pulled and not push as we know that doesn't work. We want them to innately care. And that's a whole company culture conversation. If I uh, had tons of CEOs and leaders in my room right now, 
what's the one thing you want them to remember? I think CEOs have not so, so much time and therefore it's only one sentence. It's not about B2B or B2B, B2C. We are in a human-to-human environment. Yeah, absolutely. And to the lower level teams who are listening, who have to convince their managers to give money and time and resources to the CX activities to really get to know your customer and drive loyalty programs. What do you say to them to convince and get buy-in? Um, not convincing them because I think if they are in these rules, they are doing the right things for the right motivation. Don't give up. That's what I want to say. Yeah, you need a lot of resilience for sure. I uh, I know that it's it's a beautiful thing and it's painful because I don't know about you, Greg, but I've been in companies where managers have brought me in and they say, Stacy, we want you to change the culture, change this engineering company, change this. Okay, I can do that. And then when you're in the job, they say on the other side of their mouth, Stacy, you're too fast. No, 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 can't do this. So I say, well, what Stacy do you want? <laughs> right? So, oh, that's a pain point. If we could go back in time, Greg, to your younger 20-year-old self, based on what you know now that you didn't know then, what would you tell the younger you? Oh, 20 years ago, it means I would be 20. It means at my university time. And there for me, really something that it's important. It's you need to define your, your target. You need to define what you want to achieve. But the path to this, it's not linear. You need to think in scenarios and try to find different ways to achieve that. Um, Jack Ma said something really interesting. Between your 20s and 30s, you need to learn a lot. You need to try out stuff. Between your 30s and 40s, do something. Do stuff. Do by yourself, not asking others doing that for you. Try out, do that. Between your 40s and 50s, do something you are good at. And I think you would say you are passionate at. And then when you are between 50 and 60, give back to the community, give back to the teams, give back to the younger employees, help them growing and create also their careers. Mm, beautifully said, because we get so much more wisdom as we age. And that's so true in in work and in life. So thank you for that. Well, we've come to the end and I am so grateful to have the audience hear you from the other side of the mic. And I will share the links to your show and your social medias and all everywhere that you are so that they can get in touch. And just thank you for showing up in the world because I know that you and collectively were making a difference. Stacy, thank you very much for this great opportunity. For me, it's like playing in the war games. I achieved that because speaking with you, it's always a gift. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining today. I hope you will apply the lesson shared and also requesting if you would leave a review on Apple, it would mean a lot. Head over to doingcxright.com to learn more ways to connect with me and improve your CX. Until next time, I'm Stacey Sherman, Doing CX Right.